answering that, it almost sounds like we're defending Mormonism. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, right. It, and it's enough. Mark mentioned last week that um, the, the number of people that convert to Mormonism, the greatest percentage of them come from a Baptist background. And you can see there's enough truth that if a person that's you know, Sunday school trained and just casual and there's enough there that say, oh, yeah, that could make sense to them if, if they're not grounded in the Word of God. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, one third of the angels followed Lucifer. Oh, I remember hearing that in Sunday school, you know, and, and things like that. But um, I don't know, you know, one of the things that those that remain neutral are the black race. I think they've had to change their doctrine. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they've done. When Brigham Young University needed black football players is when that and basketball players. when that changed. It, it, there was a correlation. It's about the same time. And <laughs> What's that? It's, but that is, it, there is, that's the, about the time frame that when, when uh, the NCAA became uh, integrated. So, you know, again, this is, this uprising, if you want to call it that, um, came at a, at a critical time in U.S. history. And... Um, you note in there that Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, came to the Americas and preached. And, um, and that, you know, that can appeal to a lot of people. That Kind of a patriotic feel. Right, right. America, you know, and how come there's nothing about America in the Bible? And, and the Book of Mormon is God's word for... The Western Hemisphere, and and so on, and that's that's the way they go at this. But you remember, this was great missionary endeavors were taking place, and it's been interesting to me to to read about some of the evangelists and revivalists that that traveled uh, all over the area, and just not only that, just how the gospel was spread. God burdening people in Kentucky, and they eventually moved west in Indiana and Illinois. And, and um, just reading about the, the first Baptist church in, in Iowa was started in, in what is now known as uh, Danville, Iowa. Do you know where Danville is? I don't. You didn't give me a heads up on that. Somebody on Ray Brush should know. Just, just west of Burlington and east of Mount Pleasant. But this uh, man by the name of John Logan um, was in, in a church in McDonough County, Illinois, and burdened to, to preach the gospel. And in, um, in 1828, he was a member of the Cane Creek Church, 
And interesting enough, Cane Creek Church was a church that was in the Anti-Mission Association, which we talked about. But at that point, it wasn't a cause for breaking fellowship if you believed in missions, if you were in one of these churches. Well, anyway, John Logan believed in missions, and he was in this church, and um, he felt burdened to, um, to cross the river and take the gospel to the Black Hawk Territory, which was the purchase, the, what we now know as Iowa. And um, he came and preached the gospel in a, a rude little cabin in um, the home of Noble Housley in Des Moines County in 1834. Um, you know, you think about it, that isn't all that long ago. I mean, it, in the grand scope of things. But then from that... Um, they gathered people together, and um, and that's it, only one year after Iowa was open to white settlement. 18, one year, 1833 is when Iowa was open. So you know that that passion for carrying the gospel was was very alive, and um, from that um, they. They ended up forming a church there, and uh, from that, uh, numerous churches were started. They formed their first association. There were three churches, and it, it said about their first association meeting, um, John Logan led it, and uh, there were nine people that sat on a log, and uh, that was they from the three churches, and they met, and and really, their whole purpose was, how do we carry the gospel to this territory? And uh, God used, uh, it's, it's fascinating reading about various individuals God used. Some were, were very eloquent, and others were just, um, you know, quite crude. But God used them to spread the gospel in, in amazing ways. Now... We've seen one of the areas in which Satan sought to bring disruption through the cults last week, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. But really, there were great revivals going on at this time. And if you were Satan at this time in history, what areas would you seek to attack? What would be your plan, do you think, to seek to have a, a long-term effect on all of this? We've seen... Um, Calvinism, the anti-missions movement, we've seen what it's done. We've seen now the cult movement. Any other ideas? If you were, if you were the, the devil, what would your plan be? Pardon? Okay. Could bringing everybody together, you mean? All right. Any other ideas? Okay, all these churches are starting, and all these churches are going to need leadership and pastors and everything. And um, where will they be trained? 
that was a question that the Baptists realized, you know, we need to be, we're starting churches, but uh, there needs to be training. And um, they were doing a lot of mentoring, but they saw a need to, to start um, some, some colleges and universities specifically for the training of the ministry. And we're going to get to how Satan jumped into that. But they're going to put up here a list of Baptist colleges and, and universities. And uh, I just want you to look at that. Um, there's some great names that we know of now that stand out. But as you go through there... Anything that stands out to you on those that list, to me there are a number of things. Pardon? Georgetown University, I'm not it's not the same Georgetown. No, this one's in in Kentucky, Kentucky but yeah. okay. Wake Forest is a is a big name, okay? And, sti- still, and still, still is a, still a Baptist school. Right. But to a certain what, what's, what's the what is the nickname? What's the you know like I was the Hawkeyes. What's Wake Forest's nickname? The Demon Deacons. Yep. Yep. In Des Moines, Iowa, was started as a Baptist university in 1865. Many of them are not. Do you notice there about six or seven up, Central University? Central College was started as a Baptist college in uh, 1852. And to me, it's, it's fascinating to me to see the burden that they had to train. I mean... You're talking after Brown University, which we've mentioned Hopewell Academy was the the beginning of Brown University. But you look from 1819, the next uh, 50 years, basically, there were a lot of colleges, and we didn't list them all, that were started. You see William Jewell College in Liberty, Missouri. And they were started to train um, preachers, they were started as Baptist institutions, and uh, needless to say, um, the battle always rages over education. What was the quote you mentioned of Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln said, what is taught in the schools in this generation will be public policy in the next. And it, it's interesting, in um, Backing up just a little bit, in 1720, a man by the name of Thomas Hollis, he was a, a Baptist man of, of, of great wealth in English, in England, established a professorship at Harvard College or Harvard University, which was a congregational college, began, it was begun to train preachers as well, but he specifically set aside that um, 80 pounds a year would be given to the school from his funds and an additional 100 pounds would be given with the stipulation that 10 pounds would be given to 10 scholars of good character, four of whom should be Baptist, he said. And... um, 
it didn't work out at Harvard. Harvard was congregational. They still believed in the church state. And um, so that burden of this man ended up prompting a lot of these other, uh, other schools to start because of the same issues of what we've been battling with all the way through. And so many of these colleges were begun um, because of their commitment to uh, separation of church and state, soul liberty, the Baptist distinctives that had a hard time getting off the ground. But as you can see, in the early 1800s, things were, were really, really booming. But this is then where Satan jumps in with the education issues. And a number of things started rising to the surface. And one of them, um, our nation, the world, is celebrating an anniversary of it. And that's Darwinism. Okay. I did want to mention uh, Faith Baptist Bible College isn't on this list. And because it was started as a Presbyterian college. So somewhere there's somebody's teaching Presbyterian history and saying, look at this. These guys became Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> there's very few of those. <laughs> um, Darwinism. Jay, can, do you have mine available or no? Okay, now run up to Darwinism. Darwinism. Um, uh, Charles Darwin, you know, um, obviously the father of, Darwinism and, and evolution, was born in 1899 on February 12th, same day as Abraham Lincoln. And it was interesting, it was, as Lincoln's 200th birthday was coming, uh, I got that wrong, it'd be uh, 1809, 1809. I messed up somewhere in there. Yeah, not yeah, 1899. 1899. It was 1859 that he wrote. The, anyway, 1809. And uh, same day as Lincoln. And when Google, if you've ever been on Google, when there's a special day, they have, you know, stuff up on the top of it, and, you know, to celebrate. And so I was flipped on Google to see what they had to say about Lincoln's 200th birthday, and nothing. It was all Darwin's birthday. And I just went, but it shows the incredible influence, even today, that Charles Darwin had. Go ahead to the next slide. Um, Darwin was, was trained as a preacher. He went to, he went to, uh, to uh, uh, King's College at Cambridge to, to, uh, to become a pastor. Um, he, he really got involved in science. And uh, go ahead. Keep going. Um, and... He got a chance uh, to go um, on the HMS Beagle, Her Majesty, His Majesty's ship Beagle, on a trip around the world, and they ended up in South America. And he was he was the botanist and the biologist, and and he it was from his studies there that he came up with this the, the theory of of evolution. And uh, keep going. I'm not going to go stay on this too much long, but but even today, I mean, all these years later, and, and by the way, um, you know, like Becky uh, studied um, science education at the University of Iowa, and, and we all know that the University of Iowa is about as left wing as we can get in in the state of Iowa. 
Um, and there's nobody more critical than an Iowa Stater of the University of Iowa on whatever we can be critical on. Um, but when she was going through the science education program at the University of Iowa, they really stressed over and over again, evolution is a theory and, in fact, not a very good theory. Um, I, and they, they said, you know, you cannot teach it as fact. Now, it's really interesting because it is taught as fact. And if you read, you know, textbooks, it's, it's the theory of evolution and then it's explained as a fact. Um, and it's, you get any film, you know, any educational film, three million years, ten million years ago, um, the uh, atlas, uh, Nystrom makes geography atlases that, that I order, and, and they had a really good one, and they had one that wasn't nearly as complete, and I, I think they make the, the ones that aren't as complete so that you'll buy the more expensive ones so you can compare them. Oh, yeah, this one's really good. And I went to order, and I said, I'm not going to take this one. They said, why? I said, because you have here in the front world facts. World facts, the world is 600 million years old. And, and uh, he said, well, you know, I said, that's not a fact. You, you're lying on this. It's not, it's, you might believe it, but it's not a proven fact. And, you know, he was poo-pooing. I said, I'd like to show you something. Here's the one you sent me last year. And I opened it up, and the year before... It said the world was 500 million years old, <laughs> and the next year it was 600 million years old. And he said, "Wow, you know." We, he said, "You aged the world 100 million years in one year." You know, at this rate, it's just. I said, "If you can get me the one from like 50 years 50 ago. years ago, I'd be all right with this because it's about about the right thing." But anyway, um, this is what this is what it says on the. Field Museum in Chicago. Many of you have been to the Field Museum. It's the you know really huge. It's probably one of the most respected scientific museums in the world. It's right down there on on the lake, and th this is what it says in their website about Darwin. And and uh, it says Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection underlies all modern biology. It enables us to decipher our genes. Da 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 da. da. Okay, everything. According to the Field Museum, everything we can do in biological science is because of evolution. Now, now it is really hard to, you talk about education, to reach somebody who has been well-educated, okay? But, you know, they've gone to a good academic, academic school, yeah and have been taught their whole lives that, that the opening paragraphs of the Bible is a lie. Uh, and, 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 and because of this, then we, we really moved into the, well, you know, the Bible says seven days, but it wasn't seven figurative days. And don't forget that in God's eyes, a day is as a thousand years, and, you know, and... Okay, so now we've got 7,000 years. We're still not up to 500 million. The, uh, but, but it's this, this movement, which is still, I mean, gigantic in influencing. I mean, I bet, I bet that in this room, there are many of us 
who deep down are saying, yeah, you know, but there's really some, you know, there's some truth to that stuff. And it's when somebody has been educated in this way, and all of us have been, it's, it's really hard to move on. I mean, you want to talk about Satan sticking something to us. This is, the, this is a huge thing that's been stuck to us. And, you know, it's not just, the, it's not just an issue of, of creationism versus evolution. Evolution is the motor behind everything that's going on in our culture today. Can you, can you give illustrations of that? Where evolution has, has influenced the thinking and give illustrations. Yes. Okay. How? Okay. We don't do it. Our, I guess I, my challenge would be to the Christians of why aren't we re-educating ourselves and our children? Okay. What other areas? The legal system. Okay. Beth mentioned the legal system. Um, can you explain a little more there? Okay, and, and literally this is what's happening, that we are, we are more developed, we are more educated. We, that is an old document and it was meant, they would tell you, to be an evolving document, to be changing, which it wasn't. But that mentality is profoundly affecting the whole legal system. Where else? Yes. Maybe the global warming that they keep bringing before us that because our ecosystem is evolved so many millions of years that now we have the global warming. Okay. Um, you know, this, this aspect of the, the climate change or global warming um, Anything that you remove God out of the picture, and, and our, our legislatures are considering some legislation motivated by the global warming, this cap-and-trade bill that's before, and again, it's all, it's all motivated. God isn't in the picture. Man is. We have to do something about this. And we can because we're the greatest and we're the best and, and uh, we know and we'll take care of it. And um, it, it, it literally, if you remove the Creator, it affects every area of life. Because there is no Creator, is there truth? 
Who establishes truth? It's a matter of public opinion. Or it's a matter of your opinion and my opinion. If there is no creator, there is no lawgiver. If there is no lawgiver, there is no judge. And boy, I want to hear that because I, I think I have a little guilt in me, but it must be because of my puritanical upbringing. But if I hear there's no God and there's no law and there's no judge, everything's relative. It doesn't matter. And... I'm free from this burden of guilt. And this is where we are today. The, the, the beauty of Darwinism, from a demonic point of view, is that for those who want to deny God completely, it's there. You can deny God completely. But for those who want to say there's a God, now we have the idea of you know, intelligent design that's been thrown out and then it just goes. And... And that we, we, can, we can eliminate the creation story because you know, that was just written in there so that the people could understand, right? Because, you know, they were pretty, they were primitive, they were simple, have to make it understandable. So as we get smarter and smarter and smarter, we're able to take these things apart and put it, you guys understand, of course, I'm being, you know, sarcastic, right? That, uh, th that... We can we can pick and choose what we want to take out of it and and throw out throw out what doesn't fit our culture and it's while you mention that be very careful just because someone mentions intelligent design does not mean that they believe that God is the creator there was some guy on the radio this last week and was pushing intelligent design and I thought well that's good and then he said. Now, I don't believe in a young earth. I believe the earth is millions and millions of years old and so on. So don't jump on the bandwagon just because, as Mark said, they say they believe in intelligent design. That doesn't necessarily mean they believe in the Bible account that God is the creator. Lauren. That would be good. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, that's the mentality of mankind. It's just a matter of time until we'll figure this weather situation out. We'll figure this crime situation out. We'll figure it's just a matter of time because we've elevated man. Rami. Absolutely. The um, the Battle of Yorktown, that when the French Navy went up against the British and the French were on our side at that time, 
and the the French won that battle by shooting their guns at the at the hulls of the ship while the British were shooting at the masts. Shoot at the masts all you want, okay? You knock down a mast or two. You shoot at the hull and you sink the whole ship. And that's you know the other thing is that back to the little bit of truth. We use the word evolution and, and we go, oh, okay. But at the same time, we all know that, that microevolution is true. There's microevolution, there's macroevolution. I mean, pigs 40 years ago were fat and, and, and were, when you cooked them, you had to fry them until there was no taste in them because to get the disease out of them and all that stuff. Today, pork is lean and it's tasty and it's clean. Okay, because we've bred the pigs to, to, to be improved. That's microevolution. You know, I'm, I'm this much taller than my grandfather was. You know, um, we've gotten bigger because of nutrition. So all that's true. We have a hybrid corn. That's, that's microevolution. We see changes. It's, it's, it's able to do. But, you know, we've never made a pig so good that it was a cow. Amen. You know? <laughs> Cows are always better than pigs. Cows are always. You know, we've, we've never made beans so good it was a tomato. And it's. You can't change the species. You can't change the species. And, and on the freaks that, that it does happen, it's a mutant and they can't reproduce. You know, mules can't reproduce. But you know, Christianity has been asleep at the wheel for years on this issue. And, and now we're reaping the consequences. And um, it, is, it is imperative that we understand, of all the battlegrounds, this, this is one of the key. Randy. I've heard that. And, but I didn't find that. But I've heard that, yeah. That, that I've heard that, and I, I don't know to verify it. or I, I don't know. But I've heard that too, yes. All right. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you for truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to earnestly contend for the truth while we have this opportunity, for we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.